0: Welcome to the Rent to Retirement podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at Rent renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, renter retires. It's Adam Schrader here. Thank you for joining me in this episode. And today I am flying solo here. So I want to thank everybody for sticking around and listening in. You know, I was doing some research last week for a webinar that I put together for some people and was looking at what we call affordable housing, which is uh, entry level homes, is considered 1,400 square feet or less, and looking at the number historically. Now, If we look at the general housing shortage and the exponential increase that we've seen over the years, for example, in 2018, we were told we had a two and a half million unit housing shortage. Then in 2020, it became 3.8 million. And now by the middle to end of 2021, that number has become 5.3 million. And that is because we had 12.3 million Homes, new homes formed from 2010 to 2020, and we only built seven million homes for those, you know, seven million new homes for those 12.3 million household formations. So we are seeing a massive, massive shortage like we've talked about before on the show. But one of the things we haven't touched on much is what's actually being built. And so when I went and looked and was kind of seeing the history of affordable housing, I saw that in 1982, which is a year that's very near and dear to me, it was my my birth year, 40% of the new homes that were being built were considered entry level. That's 1,400 square feet or less, like we talked about just a minute ago. So two out of every five homes that were being built were being built with a first-time buyer in mind. And so you could get a home, you know, you... The home was affordable it was there and it fit the family that you needed well guess what (laughs) builders and everybody else realized that the money is not in the small home money is not in the small home so what did they do they built bigger they built nicer they built bigger they built nicer and so we are seeing homes get bigger and bigger to the point where if you want something that's under three thousand square feet Best of luck, you know, good good luck finding that new home. That's less than 3,000 square feet in most uh, significant sized markets. So in 2019, that 40% from 1982 was down to 7%. 7% of the new homes being built are 1,400 square feet or less and are considered entry level. Now, this doesn't even necessarily mean 1,400 square feet and, you know, basic template so that it's actually affordable it just means 1,400 square feet or less so it could still be expensive but only 7% of homes being built are in that 1,400 square feet or less so the homes that are existing that are 1,400 square feet or less become more and more valuable over time because guess what the homes that are being bought torn down and rebuilt these aren't already two three four thousand square foot homes these are the ones that are 9, 11, 1,200 square feet homes. Those are the ones being torn down and rebuilt. I mean, I saw that when we went on spring break. We took a vacation to Houston where my wife and I lived when we first got married. And we drove by our very first home. And the very first home we lived in was a little two-bed, two-bath, roughly 1,200 square foot home. Little cottage, bungalow-style thing. And so it was a two. That was you know 1,200 square feet or so. Well, when we drove by it, we actually looked it up online before we, you know, a little while before we left. And this home is now, and I, I'm gonna look it up because I want to be 100% sure. But it is beyond excessive now. It is a four bed, four and a half bath. 3,620 square foot home now. So it went from a two, two, 1200 square feet to a four, four and a half, 3620 square feet. And this home is in a neighborhood where 99% of the homes prior to about 10 years ago were the original homes. And then they started being bought up and they were built, you know, they were bought, sold, they were sold bought raised to the ground and rebuilt and they aren't building 1400 square feet or smaller homes they're building the you know quote unquote mcmansions in there and so they're driving the prices up they're building these homes and they're getting rid of the inventory that we are providing for our tenants our tenants are seeing their inventory disappear in front of their very eyes it's like a magician saying abracadabra, but they're never bringing the rabbit back out of the hat. The rabbit disappears and never comes back. So we are seeing the seismic shift. Nothing that's going on in any part of our society, political, environmental, anything. Nothing is going on that is addressing this fact of this massive lack of affordable housing still kind of pay lip service every once in a while and build a little small community of affordable homes that quickly becomes unaffordable because they're the only ones in the area that are roughly that size. And so appreciation that shoots up through the roof. But I've said it many, many times before, and I will continue and continue and continue to say it. Your strategy does not change until the fundamentals change. And the fact is interest rates are changing yes but that is not a fundamental shift the fundamental shift of a lack of housing and a high demand for them has not changed yes i will fully admit we are seeing interest rates rise and we are starting to see returns get compressed that is happening i'm not going to lie to you and say it's not you know you look at a, a number that you know property cash on cash two weeks ago, three weeks ago was 11%. Now it's, you know, eight to 9% because interest rates have gone up, you know, a point, point and a half and rents haven't gone up that quickly. Obviously, you know, prices go up faster than rents. But if you look at the nationwide rent year over year, it's up about 16%. In a lot of markets, it's up more than that. You know, it's a really rent-driven market right now. We are seeing rent prices go up and up along with housing prices. And so even if right now what you need to do is look at your, the home you're considering purchasing and just say, if appreciation stopped right now, today, purchase price happens and it never goes up another dollar, does this home make sense? Because you look at it and you can say, the rent now makes sense. Rents are not going down. You know, I've I've shown you historically in some of the live streams we've done and other uh, podcasts that I've done that rents have only gone down twice in the last, I believe it was 52 years. So rents are not going down. Rents are going up. But today, does the property cash flow? And if the answer is yes, you are in a very, very strong position. Because even if home prices stay flat or even dip a little bit and you... Quote unquote overpay. Your rents are still going to be going up. You are still, your tenant is still paying down your principal. You are still getting your tax benefits. You are still getting everything. You just aren't getting the appreciation that you've seen over the last 24, 36 months that has been incredible. But here's the thing we're not buying for that appreciation. We're not buying for that equity buildup. I mean, it will happen over time, but that is not the main point of our buying. Our main point of buying is the cash flow and the generational wealth that we're able to create. And that part, that part of real estate is still there. You know, that hasn't gone anywhere. The fundamentals have not changed. We are not in a situation where we are looking at some horrible, horrible scenario. We are seeing you know, fewer homes sold because fewer homes are on the market because, you know, people at this point in time are worried about interest rates and don't want to sell their home and get a new one. You know, they're seeing prices rise. They're seeing rents rise. So they're not even sure they want to sell and go rent another place. But the fact of the matter is we're still in a position where the rent that you're getting today is going to be pretty significantly less than the rent you're going to renew at or find a new tenant at in a year. I know I've talked to you about my properties before and I'll tell you another one right now. Rental property I have in Atlanta just renewed the same tenant with a 9.6% rent increase. They're still, I guess you could say they're below market because they're less than what my new construction in the area rented for You know that we just closed on but they're still paying a good amount. (laughs) I'm still making a very good return on the investment. And we were able to increase our rent by nearly 10% and keep the tenant in place. When you are in an industry where you can tell your customer, we're raising our prices 10% and your customer says, fantastic, where do I sign? I'll pay it month over month for the next year. That's a great business. You know We are in that business. We're in the business where we tell our tenant every single year, we're going to increase. You're going to get the same thing, but we're going to increase how much it costs you. And they say, okay, imagine this. Apple releases a new iPhone that is the exact same iPhone as you have today and says it's going to cost you an extra $25 a month to buy this phone. You'd say no, right? You'd say, where's the update? Why am I paying extra for this? What's going on? But no, our tenants say, you know what? I like this home. I will pay the extra money to stay here. I see what's happening around me, and I know that I like this home. This is a fair rent. I'm going to stay in it. And it is going on all across the country. People are renting. Our nation has become a nation of renters in general. But then when you factor in what's happening with the housing prices, a lot of people who had been house hunting have just thrown in the towel and are waiting. And they're not sure if they're going to, you know, I saw a study, I don't remember the exact number, but a lot of people are questioning whether they will ever buy a home at this point because they've seen the run-up that's happened over the last couple of years and are worried that they will never be able to afford it. Now, obviously, as time goes by, they'll save up. Interest rates will drop down a little bit in the future and they will feel more comfortable. The funny thing is we've seen interest rates down at the you know two and a half percent for owner occupied, right? And now they're sky high at you know four and a half percent or whatever it is. When if we stay in this four and a half to five percent for a primary home rate, interest rates when they drop all the way down to four percent will feel like a relief it'll feel like a relief. And if they plummet down to three and a half percent, when we bought our first home, we got a three and a half percent interest rate on it. And I thought to myself, good grief, I will never, never get an interest rate lower than this. And then COVID happened and I was able to do a cash out refi and lower it even lower. But three and a half percent seemed ridiculously low. And then when we hit three and a half percent recently, we thought, wow, this rates have gone up too much. So the cycle continues, and the cycle will continue to continue. Just know, real estate investors now, who haven't been in this very long, a 5.5% interest rate, a 6% interest rate, a 6.5% interest rate is not the end of the world. It is not even a bad interest rate. It is just an interest rate that is what it is. And when interest rates are high, we see high rent increases, and we see slower appreciation. So what? That's part of our journey. Our journey is cash flow, it's appreciation, and it is building up that continued wealth position over time and handing it down to the next generation. That comes with patience, and that's another thing I want to touch on today: is the patience. You know I've. I did an interview just the other day, I think it'll be coming out later this week, where we discussed how the investing journey is a slow one, especially when you're getting started. You get started and that year one, that year two is just a slog. You're sitting there going, I put how much money into this deal to make $300 a month? Why did I do that? And then the next year you buy another house. This is just assuming you buy one house a year. The next year you buy another house and you, I've put how much money into these two deals to make $600 a month. Why did I do this? I can't, this money is in this house and I can't do anything and it slowly builds up. But then year four year five comes around and now you've got a pretty significant, you know, money said I've put a decent amount of money into these deals and now I'm getting $1,500 a month. Okay, well that's good. Well, Oh Wow. Now I look at these other properties I bought year one and year two, and suddenly they have a lot of equity in them. You know, I can I can tap into that equity. Or maybe you know what, maybe it's been long enough now that it's gonna make more sense for me to sell this property and buy something nicer or maybe buy a couple of you know, a couple of different properties, do a two for one, ten thirty one exchange. Maybe that's the situation and it really then you get to the point where you're you have seven or eight properties. And suddenly now you're making enough money a month that if you're not using it to live off of, now your properties are buying you properties and it just continues to snowball. You know, we've talked to Tanisha Souza with uh, TARDIS. She talks about her income snowball. Well, guess what? When it comes to your real estate snowball, it starts working really well too. And suddenly your property is buying you a property. And then those properties add up and suddenly your properties are buying you two properties every year. You know, And it just continues and continues and continues. But these first few years are going to be painfully slow. You're going to be wondering, why am I doing it? Why am I buying when interest rates are this high and prices have risen? Why wouldn't I just buy some distressed home and try doing that? Why even bother? You know, I'll wait for a crash, somewhere like that. Well, guess what? Even in a crash, when you buy... You've got that painful slog. Maybe you're making $500 a month now instead of $300. But you've still got that painful first year, that painfully slow second year, painfully slow third year. So why just keep kicking the can down the road as to when you're actually going to get started doing it, whenever you could just start kicking the can now and getting in the game and playing the game and building up your equity? And you're not even having to put another technically another dime of money into this property because everything else is being paid by your tenant. Everything else is being paid by your tenant at this point. Your repairs, paid by the tenant. You know, Your mortgage payment, paid by the tenant. And they're paying you a little bit extra as a thank you for them getting to pay for those things. I mean, it is just, it's a time where you need to look at the long goal and keep going towards that long goal and accept the fact that along the way, things will change. You know, maybe small things will change here and there, but the overarching thing about real estate investing has not changed. And that's why we haven't changed our strategy. I mean, if we were to come out here tomorrow and say, Oh my gosh, they just broke ground on 10 million new homes across the U S yesterday. That's going to change things. You know, that's going to significantly change things, and we would look at how we need to adjust our real estate investing strategy to take advantage of that and to make sure that we are on the right side of that situation. But that situation hasn't happened. That situation isn't going to happen. So we need to look at the current situation with our current glasses on and see what the best choice forward is. And right now, the best choice forward is one foot in front of the other, continuing to buy... Continuing to do the same thing we have been doing. Maybe with a slightly more compressed year one returns, but still good returns and still moving forward. If you can look around the world right now and see a better place at the moment where you feel more confident in what's going to happen, well, you've got better glasses than I do. Your glasses might be a little more rose colored than mine are as well, because all I see is a lot of volatility and uncertainty out there in the world right now. But I do know that next month my tenants are going to pay their rent and when their rent renewal comes up I know I will ask for more money and I know one of two things will happen either they will accept it or they will say no and somebody else will say yes because that is the market that we are in that is the situation we find ourselves in and it is a situation we've been finding ourselves in for a long time and has a long, long history of success. Why reinvent the wheel when the wheel is right in front of you, ready to go? That's all I want to know. Why try to reinvent the wheel? We talk about it all the time, you know, telling our kids this, whenever were, we're saying you know, why reinvent the wheel and try to do it that way. Well, guess what? We have a couple of perfectly good wheels right in front of us. Let's use them. You know, get get on and get started. Or if you've got some properties in hand and you're just sitting around waiting for a crash or something like that, get back into it. You know, no point in waiting for the quote-unquote inevitable crash that we've been waiting to see for the last 12 years, you know, four, maybe even 15 years in some cases. You know, it's, you're, you're going to keep waiting for a while. Every, nothing that's out there is saying the crash is coming anytime soon. So anyway, head on over to rentretirement.com, check out our inventory, schedule a call with one of our investment strategists like myself. We are happy to help you out, get you introduced to the people you need to know, talk to you about your journey and figure out how on earth to get you where you want to be at rentretirement.com look at our inventory, see where we're buying, see what we're buying, see what we're selling. We're happy to help you out as best as we possibly can. If you have any questions, any topics you want me to cover, email me, podcast at rent to retirement.com. That's podcast at rent to retirement.com. And we will either answer it to you directly or we'll strip out your name and any identifying factors and answer it on air as well. That's podcast at rent to retirement.com. We gratefully appreciate you heading to your podcast platform and leaving us a review so that other people can see that this is a podcast that will hopefully be helpful to them on their investing journey. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash rent retirement. You can see all the loads and loads of videos we're putting out there with my pretty face staring right at you. <laughs> That's at youtube.com slash rent retirement. But for now, That's all for this episode. See you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Rent to Retirement podcast, your number one resource for wealth building, real estate investing and stress-free retirement strategies. Continue your real estate education and invest with us at renttoretirement.com.